0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of CitizenReporter.org, the podcast that focuses on underreported news, global concerns, I like to say things that affect human lives. And I'm Mark Fonseca Rendeiro, also known as Bicycle Mark on the internet, coming to you today from Normandy, Lower Normandy in France. And I'm actually in a barn. Uh, who knew? A good place to record or an interesting place to record, is in a barn, with the barn door open, so that whatever happens out there, you can hear a little tiny bit of it. Uh, But today's program is not about Normandy, nor is it about barns, but it's about an ongoing subject, and that is drug policy. Drug policy in the Netherlands, which I find has an echo, has an influence, and a sort of global interest could affect what happens in other countries. And as you know, if you've been listening to this podcast, there is something going on in the Netherlands, a change, but much of the world does not understand. And that includes many people in the Netherlands don't exactly understand what's going on. Now, that's not to isolate Dutch people as knowing less. Uh, This kind of thing happens in a lot of countries. People don't know exactly exactly when there's a complicated debate or policy change on the, on the books, on the horizon. So my goal has been to try and explain it, not through my voice, but through the voices of people who are directly involved. Uh, so far, that's included. People who have a, an influence, a policy role, advisory position with uh, the government. Uh, people who work in the coffee shop world, coffee shops being where... Marijuana can be sold in in the Netherlands. And today I bring you a researcher from the academic world and, to some extent, the political world, since research has an influence on politics, or it can. Today we're speaking with a researcher who is working in the south of the Netherlands. And that is where, already, the policy of being able to sell uh, marijuana through these coffee shops has already changed. Coffee shops are already under the new policy of having to register their customers and uh, keep lists of who can shop there and so forth. You've heard about it through our previous speakers, but today you'll hear a bit about the effects, what is happening to those communities, and also a more academic look at what's going to happen in the rest of the country, what's it going to take, to stop the policy change for those of us, and that includes myself, who are interested in stopping this, uh, what are the chances? All that and more today. Oh, right now I'm suffering to be, to be free from this misery. It won't be long, then I'll sing my song.
1: Day long. Day long Layers of instruments shall be there, be there.
0: Come on, your children, no beat the drums So, uh, hello everyone. Uh, today I'm sitting with uh, Nicole Malste, Senior Researcher at Tilburg University. Yes, that's right. And uh, one of your main topics uh, is, especially these days, drug policy, and specifically coffee shops in the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. Um, And as we were just talking about, this is particularly uh, of interest right now in the international world and and here domestically, as there's an election coming up. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, uh, since I'm talking about you, hello, Nicole. Hello. (laughs) Thanks for taking the time today. Um, You know, I've been worried about this topic because I find people are talking about it, Mm-hmm. But they're often guessing as to where we are in the in this process. So uh, people who've been listening to this program may recall that there's some kind of a change in the coffee shop policy in the Netherlands. And of course, the coffee shop mm-hmm. is where you can uh, sell uh, marijuana in this country, and it has been so since the late 70s, right?
1: Yeah, actually, the real the, it has been so since the late 70s, but. Uh, The coffee shop policy started only in the beginning of the 90s. So the real coffee shop policy.
0: What was it before?
1: Before, uh, it was allowed to sell marijuana in in, uh, used clubs or something like that. Some people could do that, but there were no really coffee shops at that time. People were just selling small amounts and it was tolerated. And um, later on, people, those people started little shops or they started to sell from their houses. And um, in the years, they made their own rules, like the bulldog in Amsterdam. They started to have their own rules, no hard works, um, no nuisance, no selling to youth. And then in the beginning of the 90s, the government uh, yeah made these rules kind of... Um, Yeah, set set them in
0: stone, as we say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's very interesting because you don't often hear about you know the historical background that actually it's it's not so much a '70s thing as it is '90s, which is much more recent.
1: Yeah, there were some shops or tea houses, um, yeah, but were not really the coffee shops like we have now. Hmm. Yeah. So that's.
0: Something to keep in mind as now you have people who are voting, uh, are going to be voting, and Mm -hmm. you definitely have elected officials uh, who are saying uh, some, they want to get rid of the coffee shops or they don't say it directly, but they make a policy that ultimately results in that. Mm -hmm. So uh, let's talk about where we are. Um, it's, It's August of 2012, and at the moment there is this what they call it the Weed Pass, which I find the strangest mm-hmm. name. Mm-hmm. Um, and that policy is the one that people have probably heard about where only Dutch residents can be members at a coffee shop and walk in. Yeah. And this is currently in effect, but only in part of the country.
1: Uh, yeah, they started that um, the 1st of May in, in three southern provinces. But in the rest of Holland, it will start at uh, the 1st of January in in 2013. So then uh, it's not possible anymore for foreigners to buy any marijuana in in the coffee shops.
0: Right, And so your research um, builds on what started in in May, the 1st of May. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's talk about that research, because that's certainly something you have uh, that people maybe haven't heard about and could learn from. What? Tell us about the framework of your research to start.
1: Um, I can't talk about that. I'm sorry because I uh, didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) No, the thing is that um, I'm doing that research not um, as a researcher for the University of Tilburg, but I'm doing that from my own office at Axel Anthony, Uh and it's still running. So I can't.
0: Do you talk about results? No. Can you talk about what it's a? But- i
1: can, i can talk about what because we did um three years ago we were also asked to um, advise a local government in Maastricht oh. to about the wheat pass should they introduce it or not so but there was not a lot of um uh, figures we could use because it it, it wasn't there so we, yeah what so our, if
0: they wanted to know that the, the- effects on criminality and things like yeah. that at that time you couldn't exactly tell them no of
1: course not but what we did was looking at what we know so i invited some of the best experts in in, in the netherlands who follow the developments in the cannabis sector for years like myself mm-hmm. and we looked upon it and we said uh, it, it's not a good idea because um it's only a problem of, of Maastricht, what we are talking about. In Maastricht, uh, it's a, it's quite a special place because it's uh, situated on the border of, of two countries. Yes. So there's lots of Germans, Belgians and France people yeah. coming there anyway. They, they come there because they always came there mm-hmm. to buy all kinds of things and also drugs. Mm-hmm. So this... Uh, uh, became a problem because the coffee shops in Maastricht, all of them are centered in the city and the infrastructure around those coffee shop is not uh, really well in the way that you can't park your car. Okay. And so that was the problem. There was a lot of nuisance because people uh, parked their car double or that kind of things yeah, happened. Yeah, yeah. And that's the reason why... In Maastricht already years ago, they said we want to get rid of the tourists, <laughs> of the coffee shop tourists, actually. Okay. Um, but what we said was uh, it's not you can't just say uh, this is a coffee shop tourist because most of those Tourists also come to to buy clothes. Yeah, they do Uh, other things. Yeah. So it's not really that you can see, okay, this is a coffee shop tourist and this is normal tourist or something Mm -hmm. like that. And then there were also drug tourists. So people who come from other countries to buy at illegal market cocaine, ecstasy, uh, things like that. Mm. And it has always been like that since, yeah... The 70s. Hmm. So it's especially on the border there's more cities like that. Terneuzen is another city. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and they are just famous for that. Yeah. So that is the problem. So what we said and, and, and more experts said what they could do was replace some of the coffee shops to the border, more to the border, making a big parking place around it they tried this, they did this in Venlo, it's another city at the border, and it's that went very well. So they mm-hmm. kept a few coffee shops in the city, yeah. those coffee shops are visited mostly by locals, and then there's two coffee shops at the border, yeah. where uh, tourists can come, like, like a drive-in, like McDonald's. Like a petrol station that's on yeah. the
0: highway, not in the center of the city.
1: Yeah, and those people, they don't have to go into the city anymore Mm. they just park their car and then the problem was uh, solved by that so that was what we advised to Maastricht maybe you should start to replace some of the coffee shops to the border of the city and then we can see uh, if there is any nuisance left or what we can do then but it it was really difficult because the um, mayors of the neighbor city the neighbor villages didn't want Maastricht to replace their coffee shops they just said we we don't allow that so there was a lot of trouble around and um, so they couldn't just do this Um, and then the mayor of Maastricht thought okay I have to yeah, think of, of another me- measure to hmm. get rid of those tourists. And that was why the weed pass was introduced. But actually, it was just to solve a local problem.
0: Yeah, a parking, a, especially a, a, a parking local... Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: And um, what we see now and what we already... Uh, yeah, you you hear, you know, we are following at the moment what's going on, but you can also read it in the papers, you can hear uh, policemen talking about it. We are talking to uh, uh, all kinds of people around the coffee shops to, to find out how it's going there. Mm-hmm. And uh, what we can see is the coffee shops are empty, mm-hmm. because uh, what we already knew that would happen, because that's uh, there was a study also last year, in Amsterdam and in Utrecht where they asked um, coffee shop um, visitors if there will be a a weed pass are you going uh, to register as a member of a coffee shop and um, 81% of the people said no I I don't want to do that Mm. and then they asked okay, but if you have to do if, if it's if there's no other possibility, what are you going to do that then? And then, still, two thirds of the people said, um, I don't want to register, I, I will go to the legal market. I so we knew, mm. in fact, that Dutch people, because this were Dutch people um, in this study, uh, would be not very um, um, enthusiastic to register in the coffee shops and what we can see now is that uh, they don't Hmm. they just don't the the coffee shops are empty Um, there's a lot of uh, uh, illegal uh, dealers Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know Uh, and um, so we don't want to have that uh, in, in In the whole Netherlands, I think.
0: But it seems like there are politicians who don't mind this happening. Uh, You know, we know already the stories are coming out that in places where the weed passes in effect, coffee shops are effectively closing. Uh, If they're not already closed, they're heading Mm -hmm. that way. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what's interesting to me is that in the Netherlands, you might have politicians who say, we're not against coffee shops. But we're against this drug. They call it drug tourism. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we'll install this policy. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of their their way to say, well, we didn't close the coffee shops. Uh, we just made a better policy that...
1: Yeah, the thing is, um, you know, it, it um, it's very uh, different for people if they look from a different angle, if you look at the, coffee sh- at the situation now and you say, okay, is there any nuisance? No, the nuisance is less than the before. The visible nuisance is less than before because there are no parking prob- problems anymore, yeah. um, but there's another kind of nuisance starting at the moment because people see uh, yeah, illegal dealing at the streets. And, and that's yes. something else, which uh, might not be so concentrated. So it's spread all over the cities. So it it, it depends on what you want. And if you want to be uh, the same as the rest of, of Europe, mm. okay, the problem is solved then. Yeah. So that's their... Uh, opinion. people who say okay we, we don't want to be unique anymore in our drug policy we have to be the same as the rest of Europe yeah. and the only problem is they forget that it's not only the coffee shops but it's also um, the, um, the, the name of our marijuana which Became very popular in, in the in the last years mm-hmm. because we started to grow in indoor, yeah. in, in the in the eighties and the nineties, and actually there's uh, the, the Dutch seeds are very popular all over the world, mm-hmm. so that's also a reason why people come. Yeah. will stay uh, come coming to to the Netherlands and mm-hmm. also the the whole infrastructure of people who are involved in this business, it's, I think it's easier for many tourists to go to Maastricht or to go to Tirneuze or whatever, because there they find people who can sell them marijuana easier than in their own countries. Mm-hmm. And that's but yeah, I don't know. It's maybe because we are Dutch and we are we like to sell things and mm-hmm. we are very good in in, in yeah, yeah in that kind of, of, of organizations.
0: Hmm. I'm I'm still stuck and I always come back to this, you know, how decisions are made from the government level and mm-hmm. you've pointed out how you were asked by a city government mm-hmm. to to provide information the best mm-hmm. you could with mm-hmm. what under the circumstances, mm-hmm. and they, despite your advice, went with a different policy, uh, or went with a the policy.
1: They asked ask another researcher because uh, the mayor. Uh, there came there was another mayor after we finished uh, the, the study. Mm-hmm. There came another uh, mayor. Uh, yes. There came another mayor, and he um, pff, he didn't want the results like we. So there had to be another study done mm-hmm. and they asked another uh, different re- questions yeah different questions but uh, and, and the any other researcher came with a different advice and he said it would be a very good idea to close down coffee shops so that's how things work research
0: is not what's the word uh, it's like facts you could have facts but then you can find other facts yeah, i mean so so this becomes a policy that is based on some academic research but it's one kind of academic research and I'm,
1: I I'm following the discussion for for more than 20 years now and what I can say about it it it's most of the discussion is not based on any scientifically facts or whatever hmm.
0: that stuff no,
1: it, it's just moral things, uh, p- what people think, and if they use scientific results, it's just the results that they can use. They, mm-hmm. they choose. They pick the, yeah. the the results that that they, that they uh, how do you say this?
0: But they that favors their policy. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, I mean we know about this in even in journalism. You know, you choose. The, if if you really want to you can choose st- certain facts to back your your point your your topic and mm-hmm. i'm curious to see that happening i mean it's the world of politics really it's not just the world of academics uh but...
1: no and, and it's easy to do this because there's not so many researchers who can do study in illegal markets who know about how to study an illegal market it's very difficult to get in touch with people mm. who um, are dealing in the streets. You, you need to, to use uh, specific methods. It costs a lot of time, costs a lot of trust. You, you need to have trust that people will tell them how they are uh, working, how they are dealing, and this is very difficult. So that kind of studies aren't done. There. Yeah. Nobody is paying for it. They don't they just don't want to know. And that's also the difference between um maybe many other countries. Of course, there's also illegal markets in, in there. Hmm. But they just don't make it visible. Mm-hmm. They just don't study it, they just don't talk about it, and then it's not there.
0: Hmm. And that's where we are or we're heading anyway in this country. I mean The
1: thing is the coffee shops made um some, maybe they made something visible which half of the people say I don't want to see that it might be there but I don't want to know it and of course all of them they know that uh, we have cannabis users they know we have um, people who are selling it people who are growing it um, but they just want, don't want to see them and now um, it's less visible, less visible, yeah. so that's, yeah.
0: So so then we, we get this phenomenon that people who are reading only news in the international press, the limited mm-hmm. amount of information that there is, are either arriving here or, or outside the country saying, well, I guess it's all over in the Netherlands. And and we've been talking on this program how it's it's not over yet, right? You also mentioned... Uh, January 2013, it would hit the rest of the country, this policy. Mm -hmm. Um, But then we also have this election, Mm -hmm. right? And so are we now in a situation where there are going to be a few parties that are on one side of this issue, and a few parties that are on the other? And the two sides being one is in in favor of this weed pass system going nationwide, and the other party's Against it. Going mm-hmm. back to the coffee shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way we've had it for the last mm-hmm. 20 years or more. That's that's where we are.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So. Um, but even if. Um, the parties. Win the elections. Who are, uh, who are against the wheat pass. They can't just say. Okay. It, it's the end of the wheat pass. They need. Be- you, if you want to change this. Uh, it's a law you know it, you can't just change a law in one day so it, it will take at least months month uh, to change this policy
0: in your experience and, and wisdom uh, what are the chances that this you know it, and this includes the right parties winning I mean the the correct parties winning for, for going back to the coffee shop and stopping the weed pass what are the chances that this gets stopped? I don't know if you can put it in percentages but a good chance of, uh, not a good chance at all?
1: I don't know it, it depends on how um, also it, it depends on if the police for example is uh, able to to um, Inform now the public and say this is going on at the moment. We can't handle this. Yeah. Um, and also uh, people who work in in addiction services, prevention workers, uh, before they use the coffee shops to get in touch with people who might become addicted. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, yeah, it's for them. It's also difficult to get in touch with. Uh, you, with cannabis consumers with people who might get indicted for so for everybody for all those uh, social workers and also for the police it, it's very it's not a really good thing and and they should you know uh, open their mouth and, yeah. and tell the government hey um, we don't want this.
0: Is is that? Ha- I mean, it might be because it's summer; it's not happening. But is that something that's starting to happen? And are they able to speak up? And I'm talking about police and also uh, counselors in the drug world. I say I say this because in some contexts, if it's government funded or or the police, where I come from in the U.S., police don't often speak up on matters of policy. No. They they feel like they shouldn't.
1: Yeah. Do they do that here? I mean, yeah, it's they... the same here. Mm. They can't just speak up if they do they could lose their jobs but uh, and that's why we are studying it now to interview them anonymously yeah. in, and and yeah be kind of their voices and let them tell to us what's going on and hopefully then uh, the new government will listen to this hmm. that's the only way uh, you can do it but the good thing is that the government also um, um, set out some studies at the moment, and I think in September or October they will come with the with the first uh, results of those studies, and I'm pretty sure that they also find the same things mm-hmm. that we already um, predicted that would happen. Mm. So. Yeah, if it's studies w- which are set out by the government, you sh- should think th- that they are going to listen to that. But what I've learned in talking to you
0: is that there's no guarantee that a study, although you say if it's a government study, hopefully they pay attention. But there's no guarantee that a, s- a piece of research uh, is listened to in mm. this context. Oh,
1: that's that's right. Mm. And there's another thing that that you should uh, understand about this. You know, we started the whole hedong beleid, the tolerance policy, um, from uh, a, a point of view of health. That was the idea. in in the in the seventies and the eighties. There were no nuisance issues. Nuisance was not an issue in, in our environment. Noise and yes, yes, we, yes. we were not. To- so what we wanted to do with the whole beliefs, there were two reasons why we started the whole thing one was we didn't want people who buy marijuana uh, would get in touch with other drugs like uh, heroin or cocaine because we thought that would be more dangerous even more dangerous so um, we said okay let's split this and Give people the opportunity to buy marijuana in kind of safe environment. And the second one was we said it's a little bit overreacted to um, give somebody who is just buying and smoking marijuana to, to tra- treat them as, as a criminal. Mm-hmm. So that were the reasons why we started this. And actually, if you look back, This um, came out fine. We can say the coffee shops, um, you can't buy anything else there normally, at least not in the coffee shop. Maybe there's somebody else walking around. But coffee shops pay very good attention that there's no other drugs uh, sold in in their places. So this... um, worked out really fine the problem was that they weren't allowed to buy cannabis um, themselves right so the supply side
0: yeah, yeah. We've, I've so had some that, interviews with uh, the coffee shop uh, managers. so that,
1: that, that's actually yeah. that's also a problem yeah and that's a thing that we never yeah never solved in a way and I think if we had solved that 10 years ago Mm. we wouldn't have the problems we have now.
0: I hear something else that's much harder to answer, but I put it to you anyway. Um, and it's not based, I don't think, on your research, but it's more something you've probably experienced with, with life. Mm-hmm. That in the Netherlands, the changes over the last 20 years, you mentioned that policy used to be based on health.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then now it's about, I mean, among other things, nuisance. Yeah, And what does that say about what's happened to the Netherlands over the last 20 years that we've gone from worrying most about health to worrying a lot about nuisance, which to me, and this is me speaking, sounds like a very luxury problem. What's a nuisance? What's uh, yeah, this bothers us, this, you know, double parking and so forth. I mean... I know countries where double parking is so standard and nobody would you know and it 's not a beautiful thing it 's annoying but st- oh there it is <laughs> annoying but what's happened in this country
1: um, yeah it, what's happened um, there, there has changed something because um, uh, the tolerance policy uh, in the tolerance policy you in a way you look away because the police they know something wrong is happening of course they knew that coffee shop owners had to buy their cannabis from somewhere mm-hmm. that's illegal it's not allowed but they wouldn't um uh, they, they just let it be like that right. you know that's toleration yeah, so enforced. there is a kind of uh, no man's land where you don't go in you, you, you just leave it like that. You don't go and observate uh, the back door of the coffee shop. Right. Um, but toleration is also um, so it means you know something is wrong, but you just don't go there. And in the last ten years, uh, I think in, in the Netherlands, but, but no it's more than it, it's fifteen years, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to have uh, clear rules. We don't like that anymore, mm-hmm. those vague um, yeah. things. Because there that... were
0: others, right? This wasn't the only uh, tolerated policy. No, there were others. But, but and, 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 is... and we
1: and, and now the trend is we want to know, yeah. and, and we want to know how it, uh, this is the rule, if you cross the rule, okay then you get fined. That's mm-hmm. it. So a tolerance policy is not doesn't fit anymore in, in, in the whole uh, idea of how we think now. Hmm. And that's th- the reason why I'm saying okay, you have to get rid of the tolerance policy. Mm-hmm. Oh you are going to regulate it now and, and make the whole the back door also legal or at least regulate it yeah. that would make sense at the moment yeah. because yeah things like okay you can sell marijuana but you can't buy it it's you can't explain that yeah. to nobody no. and that's that changed hmm. okay
0: all right nicole Malste thanks so much mm-hmm. for taking the time and uh, we look forward to any uh, new research that you publish. I'll certainly put it on the, the website for people to read. Mm-hmm. But thank you very much.
1: I will try to translate it then. <laughs>
0: oh, I'll try to help you.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was the third brother of fire, doing whatever I had to do to survive.
0: And that about does it for today's edition of the program. A reminder, of course, citizenreporter.org. That's where you can listen to all the podcasts that are part of this particular series—a series that you can't find. And I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, but it's hard to find voices of people involved in this issue uh, on the internet, where there's so many half-assed, incomplete. Uh, hearsay sort of reports, especially in in the mainstream media, in large newspapers from so-called correspondents. So in that sense, I'm very happy and proud to be able to bring you these voices because I believe someone should and nobody is. Anyway, citizenreporter.org, go there, and I'll be updating with more voices on this issue and other issues, of course. And I thank you so much for being a part of it as a listener. And of course, those of you who use Flatter, use PayPal, use whatever means you have to help keep the program going. And that means whatever it is, it means to you. If you wanted to continue the the 1 to 5 to 10, whatever, euros, dollars, shekels per year, it's all uh, appreciated. So thanks for that. And I'll see you next week. See ya. Talk
1: to you about right now. Hey brother There's a better way out Shorting that coat Shooting that dope man You're coming out Take my advice It's either live or die You got to be strong If you want to survive The family On the other side of town But will catch
0: hell without a ghetto around City,
1: you'll find the same thing going down. on. Hollywood, the capital of here to get on time. Stop it, sing it.